Will you bow, bow with me for a moment? God of grace, you've given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praises. Fill us with your spirit that we may celebrate your glory and truly worship you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I mentioned a couple times already, we had a lovely concert here at the church last night. Now, do any of you know what the best part of a concert is? Some people have suggested, a number of folks, that the best part of the concert, of any concert, is that moment, uh, thinking particularly of a symphony orchestra, the moment after all the instruments have tuned and they're ready, and then there's that pause, that silence. Maybe the conductor has raised the baton and they wait for a moment. That pregnant pause, full of potential. Some have suggested that's the best part of any performance because everything is just pure potential. You imagine the absolute perfection, the best concert uh, ever. Uh, and it's true, the silences are an important part of music. Uh, and it's in those silences as you wait that we, we get the full-fledged sense, the drama, uh, the contrast that, that is good music. I've been thinking in this season between Easter uh, and Pentecost, I've been thinking about the disciples and what this time must have been like for them. Uh, from the story of the, the disciples huddled in an upper room where Jesus appears suddenly behind locked doors in their midst, uh, to then breakfast on the beach with Jesus, we watch these disciples on an amazing journey in this Easter season. These are they who have witnessed Christ's death and resurrection and now wait for the Holy Spirit. This is the heart of the Christian story. It's, it's Christ's story, but the story does not end with the risen Christ ascending into heaven. No, the Christian story is carried on by the disciples. The mission is carried out by the early believers, and it carries over to us today and to the end of the ages. This is the disciples' story, and it is our story. We recall Christ's story, his life, death, and resurrection, not because we're bored and need a good yarn to entertain us, to occupy our time, but because this story gives our lives meaning and purpose, uh, meaning and purpose to our lives and to our world. And yet, the story finds the disciples this morning doing that all-important task of waiting. Uh, in the Acts te text that Nancy read, the disciples are waiting in Jerusalem at Jesus' own command, waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, it is graduation season, and there is this graduation classic by good old Dr. Zeus, Oh, the places you'll go. This has probably been handed out as a number of gifts to grads uh, this time of year. Uh, and he has a page in here as we prepare the grad uh, where Dr. Zeus prepares the reader for any and all eventualities in life and includes the time in life where one might find oneself in the waiting place. Uh, in, in wonderful, wonderfully Zeusian fashion, he says, you can get so confused that you'll start into race down long, wiggled roads at a breaknecking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish, wild space, headed, I fear, toward a most 
useless place, the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or waiting around for a yes or a no, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting for the hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the first bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. Everyone is just waiting. Everyone is waiting for something, waiting to get their hair cut, waiting to see friends and family, uh, waiting for school to be out, waiting for summer, waiting for a deal from Congress on the U.S. debt ceiling, waiting for peace in Ukraine, waiting for an end to violence in the Sudan, uh, waiting for new friends, uh, or waiting for friends old and new, or on a grander scale, we may be waiting for big life plans too, waiting to graduate, waiting to start that new thing, waiting for that new job, waiting for a new romance, waiting for the pain of grief to subside. We may tell ourselves, when the kids are grown, then I'll pursue that dream. When we have more people in our church, then we'll be able to do worship right. When I have financial security, then I'll take the risk God is calling me to take, waiting for life waiting until the stars align, waiting. The disciples are waiting in Jerusalem. They are ground zero of the gospel. As God's love explodes in global history in the person of Jesus Christ who dies on the cross and then in a mighty resurgence of resurrection is raised to new life again, they are witnesses to the linchpin of history the hinge of God's plan of salvation for the whole world, and the crux of redemption for you and for me. What are they waiting for? This is the defining story of their lives, the, de the determining story of our lives, the ordaining history of all lives. It is not a, a static story, but a, a dynamic one, an unfolding story in which we play our own part, uh, where what was past is present to us now, here and now, and what will be is also present to us as hope and promise. As we inhabit this story, as we read and study scripture, we are shaped and formed by it while, while we read ourselves into the story, finding in its characters and personalities uh, people that look and behave sometimes all too much like us. I think that too, for me, is why the disciples are so relatable in their waiting and watching with uncertainty and anxiety and, and trepidation, perhaps, as the story unfolds and Christ is first crucified and buried, then raised from the dead. I imagine the disciples wondering, whoa, what'll happen next on this uh, roller coaster of emotions? First, Jesus was here with us, and we slowly began to see in him the promises of the prophets and the hopes of Israel. And then, then he was arrested. Now he's been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. But Oh no, now he's gone again, ascended into heaven, and we are waiting again, waiting. I, I imagine them impatient and frustrated at not knowing how this uh, good news that Jesus promised them, how is it going to unfold? 
I feel their frustration in being told to wait for Christ's Holy Spirit, whatever that means. And I empathize with their anxiety around not even knowing whether or how they will recognize the Spirit when it comes. I recognize potential anxiety. I know myself the experience of waiting because I've been there. Asking God to open doors and mark out clear paths for me to follow as I try to discern God's call and direction for my own life. Wait here, wait there. At different times in my life, these felt like the only words that I seemed to receive. In prayer, when I would desperately and impatiently cry out to God, show me the way, Lord. Give me a hint at what you have in mind for my life. What am I supposed to do next? Any of life's transitions seem to come with, with a time of, of waiting, uh, waiting and watching and discerning God's will. Hopefully, the waiting comes without uh, too long, a time of wandering in the wilderness, but that happens too. Uh, Israel in the wilderness reminded themselves of, some, themselves of God's faithfulness and of the wondrous things uh, God had already done. Perhaps that's what the disciples did while they uh, waited in Jerusalem after Christ's ascension uh, into heaven. Maybe they reminded themselves of God's faithfulness. Maybe they told stories of Christ's resurrection, stories of his appearing to them. Um, I know I've waited in transition and wondered if God really had a plan for my life. And then things have worked out miraculously, wonderfully, uh, it seems. Looking back now, in hindsight, those are the stories I tell myself now. I remind myself of them when I find myself in transition again and wonder, hmm, what does God have in store for me now? I remind myself of stories like when uh, Joni and I were fresh out of seminary. Uh, my wife Joni and I had just graduated. Uh, we knew that I wanted to minister in a church. She wanted to do doctoral work in one of uh, two very specific programs in North America, uh, both of which she was not accepted into. Uh, but as she was looking at a third doctoral program, an, an outlier, something wasn't even on her radar, something that someone had suggested she might consider working, uh, consider pursuing, going and working with this other individual at another school that she had not really considered. So she was looking at this new possibility. At the same time, I was scouting pastoral positions in that, that part of the country, and it appeared it appeared that there were no pastoral positions, no pastoral openings. So we prayed, okay, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? What's going on here? Uh, when uh, then the, the Spirit moved and things started to fall into place, uh, one church suddenly had a pastoral opening again. At the same time, Joni inquired about the doctoral program, uh, this uh, late uh, arriving possibility. Uh, she inquired. Uh, late in the application process, long after application deadlines were over, we thought, well, she could apply and might have to sit out for a year waiting uh, while I started at the church there, and then she could start her doctoral studies the next September. Uh, but when she called to inquire and spoke with the individual who would become eventually her doctoral advisor, he told her, he said, go ahead and submit your application. Yes, I know the deadline is passed, but send it in, despite it being so late in the admissions process. 
What he didn't tell her then, but would later reveal, was that the day before that she had called to inquire about studying with him, another doctoral student had withdrawn from the program, creating an unexpected opening. He said afterwards, uh, it felt like the Holy Spirit had brought Joni just at the moment that an opening in the program had been created. And this is an academic speaking, and so this language doesn't sit quite well in that context, but he, he clearly identified it as the Holy Spirit. And we tend to agree, as we look back on how things worked out for us uh, at that time of life, in that transition, it's hard to see the coincidences working out as anything other than the movement of the Holy Spirit and the providence of God. Now, that doesn't mean that everything about that transition was easy. Um, there were hard things about our lives in that stage. There definitely were. But when life got hard, we reminded ourselves that God had prepared a way for us and provided for us, and God would do so again. That is the story I tell myself again and again whenever I find myself waiting again, waiting for whatever might be the next thing to come. Maybe the disciples encouraged one another and regaled themselves with stories of wonders that they had just witnessed, uh, stories of Christ's miracles, his resurrection, his appearances to them. They were waiting for something new, but they might have said to one another, can you believe what has already happened? The very God of creation loves you and me and all the earth so much that God sent a strong Savior. And when the world thought that they had killed this Christ, God raised him again, thumbing God's nose at the so-called powers that be. Whatever it is that you are waiting for cannot top what we have already seen. For what we have seen is the power of God's love, triumph over everything that this broken and twisted world can throw at it. This is the story the disciples told themselves as they waited. It's the story they will proclaim when they are filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next week. It is a story they would proclaim also in persecution, when some of them become martyrs later in the history of the early church. What were the disciples waiting for? Well, they waited for nothing, because they had already seen it all, and what they knew was more than enough. So there are a couple of things we do in worship every Sunday. We tell stories and remind ourselves of our faith and of God's faithfulness in the past. Like the disciples, we encourage one another about the unknown future that awaits us by remembering God's presence in our own uh, rearview mirrors. We tell stories, we praise the God who waits with us and holds our future securely in his hands, and we sing. We make music. Uh, and our music expresses and imagines all that we hope for this future, all that is possible, all that we can imagine, and then some. So big shout out to Ruth and Jim, to the choir and ensemble members on this Music Appreciation sun Sunday. Sometimes our joy overflows and your music expresses that. Other times we gather in difficult times waiting for some uh, sense of good news and then Music is a balm and a comfort to our soul. And sometimes we're just waiting. 
whiling away the time until we get to the good part. And then your music keeps us focused, feeding our hope and encouraging us to stay strong in our faith, to live into the world that we hope for, to be the change that we hope to see. Thank you to all of you over there in the choir loft. Uh, thank you for being here, for showing up Sunday after Sunday and offering your gifts of music. Who knows? Maybe the disciples sang together as they waited in Jerusalem after Jesus uh, left them again and ascended into heaven. Maybe the disciples, maybe they weren't waiting anxiously after all. Maybe that's just me reading my own anxiety and dysfunction back into the story. Who knows? Um, maybe instead the disciples were uh, waited with joy and excitement, fullness and satisfaction and wonder. These stories of the disciples immediately following Christ's resurrection paint this as a, a time of great excitement, but it also had to be a time of uncertainty in the disciples' lives, a time when Christ would pop in and out of their lives like some kind of unpredictable static electricity. And in between the appearances are these periods of waiting and wondering. For me, because the disciples look uh, many times just like us, uncertain like us, stubborn and impatient like us, so fully human and flawed like us, uh, we can take great encouragement in the fact that, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and were God's witnesses to a brand new powerful reality. Uh, we too, in our uh, very human and flawed selves can expect to be filled and used and sent out as God's witnesses, as Christ's disciples sent out into the world. We long for, we wait for, and can expect uh, the blast, the gale as the Holy Spirit moves in and through our congregation. We long for and can expect Christ's living presence to equip us, to use us, to fill us in the same way, so that we too might be sent out as witnesses to the good news of Christ. Um, yeah. Note that when we look at the disciples waiting and lounging and, and longing in Jerusalem, that they are hoping for and expecting a very definite future. I saw a bumper sticker recently that said, I hope something good happens to you. I kind of liked it. I thought, yeah, I hope something good happens to me too. That's a nice sentiment. The disciples weren't just waiting for something good. They knew exactly what they were waiting for. They're not just waiting for anything to happen in their life. They're waiting for Christ their Lord, whom they have known and whose absence is felt as a very real loss in their lives. In our own stories too, in our own walk with God, there will be times when Christ's presence is very real to us, Hallelujah. And then there will be times for us also, those times when we feel Christ's absence very acutely, and we long to be filled again with uh, his spirit. The disciples are not waiting just for something good, for anything to, good to happen. They're waiting to be sent out as apostles and disciples, witnessing to the new reality in Christ. So, what are you waiting for this morning? Uh, what are you waiting for in this present time uh, of waiting? We remind ourselves as the, of the love and power of the God we serve. Uh, we are waiting, but we also know something wondrous. We know that God loves us, that Jesus died for us, that God raised him from the dead and brings new life to, uh, to you and to me and to the world itself. And we tell ourselves this story as we wait in our Jerusalems, 
while we wait for the Spirit, we retell this story and we are witnesses to the good things God has done in our lives already. Uh, wonders upon wonders. All the stuff we are waiting for, the, the right job, the right circumstances, a new haircut, none of that matters when it comes to what is ultimately important in our lives, which is this, God loves you. God wants you to repent and return to God's holy presence. God forgives you and embraces you with loving arms. There is no social distancing with the God we love and serve. God loves you, so what are you waiting for? Go and tell the world you are witnesses of these wonderful things. We gather and wait for Christ's Spirit each and every Sunday morning. Then we're scattered out into, the various, uh, into our various lives each week to witness to the presence and power of Jesus Christ in our lives. You may not want to preach like Peter or speak in tongues like the disciples at Pentecost, but we, as the body of Christ, are sent out into our everyday lives to live as examples of those who have been transformed in and through Jesus Christ. Now, I know Pentecost doesn't come until next Sunday, but we live day to day as spirit-filled people, as Pentecost people. Yes, even in the midst of uncertainty and all the signs to the contrary, we are still witness to the wonderful things we know, and through Jesus Christ, we gather and wait for the Holy Spirit each and every Sunday morning, and we are sent out each week like the disciples, equipped to know how to respond to a coworker who may just need a kind word or enabled to respond to a neighbor with grace and kindness. So uh, I'll remind you this week as you go out, God is alive and well and calls the church to live out its mission. What are you waiting for? Blessed be the Lord who has given us a new birth into living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Amen.